This is All Things Considered on 88.5 KNKX. I'm Ed Ronco. The use of Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine remains paused this week as U.S. regulators study a possible link to rare blood clots. There are a lot of questions that arise from this pause. And to help us think through some of them, we got in touch with a bioethicist. His name is Thomas May. He's with the Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine at Washington State University. And we wanted to learn more about the reasoning behind pausing a vaccine that is suspected of having an extremely rare but dangerous side effect versus continuing its use against COVID-19, which is a known killer. We want to state up front that May is not a medical doctor. This is not going to be a conversation about medical advice. He is a bioethicist, and that's where I started, by asking him what exactly a bioethicist does. Well, I spend most of my time looking at uh, issues of social justice and policy concerns within the healthcare field. Uh, I have spent my time looking at issues, for example, of diversity and public and social goods and public agendas. Some of these include pandemic response, as well as how we uh, treat privacy in genomic research, for example. The the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has not been conclusively proven to cause blood clots in these, what, six rare cases. Uh, So I wonder, from a medical ethics standpoint, are regulators being too cautious here, or is pumping the brakes and, and pausing the use of the vaccine the right move? I think that pumping the brakes is a good move for a couple of reasons. Uh, First of all, I think that we have to think about this in two types of agendas. There's the short-term agenda of wanting to get the most people vaccinated quickly. And then there's the long-term agenda of wanting to build trust with the public. And I think that in some cases, we might see a balance needing to be drawn between those two agendas. In this case, I think there's not a need for moving forward with the short-term agenda because we have plenty of mRNA vaccines that have not suggested any sort of side effects of this type. That's after, you know, 185 million doses being administered. And we've noticed these potential side effects. And I want to emphasize that we haven't actually linked to the vaccines yet. So I think that our confidence level in the mRNA vaccines and their safety is very high, and those are available. And that allows us to be even more cautious because it's not a case where we have to balance the ability to vaccinate the public in the short term versus the long-term confidence about safety and public health recommendations. And the mRNA vaccines, we're talking about Pfizer, Moderna, the the two uh, shots that are kind of circulating right now in Washington state. What kind of ethical conversations do you think happen in a place like Johnson & Johnson's headquarters or in a place like a regulatory agency when they're trying to weigh these tensions between we know COVID causes death, here's a vaccine that will help, but there's this possibility, maybe we should pause it. How are they weighing those different factors? You know, all of these things happen all the time. Pauses in new pharmaceuticals are common, especially in, in trials. We know that these are new vaccines. You know, we have quickly moved to have them approved, although I should say that there have been a lot of administrations of the all of these vaccines, and so we have a lot of data available now. So it's not like they're completely unknown what sort of effects we're going to have. But I think in the case of uh, Johnson Johnson or Pfizer or Moderna, there's a lot of discussions about wanting to maintain public trust and confidence in the vaccine. It doesn't do anybody any good to move forward very quickly with an unsafe vaccine that will cause vaccine hesitancy 
to skyrocket. The news of the J&J pause, you know, has some vaccine skeptics claiming vindication, has others just being worried about what it means. Uh, so how does the medical community deal with any distrust that might that might grow in some circles as a result of this latest decision? Well, you know, I think every individual reacts to each of these things differently. I think that people uh, naturally sort of treat what's called iatrogenic uh, harms, that's harms that are produced by the medical intervention differently than naturally occurring harms. They sort of weight them higher. It seems like a, a worse thing to have contracted some condition because of a medical intervention than if you just contracted it naturally. And I think that doctors recognize this. I think that uh, that it's important to uh, point out that things like this pause are not a sign that we are being unsafe but are precisely the opposite, that we are pausing not because we know these to be unsafe, but because there is a slight suggestion that perhaps there is this very rare side effect. And we want to stop to understand exactly what this is, if it's connected to the vaccine, how serious it is, what steps might be taken to avoid it, and then re-engage. And so I think this whole process has been an illustration of a commitment to safety. You're a medical ethicist, and and I would imagine that you do you spend a significant amount of brain power contemplating how to approach big questions. A lot of us are doing that right now, and a lot of us have less experience than you in it. So as we're watching the vaccine rollout, as we're watching a lot of the questions that are coming up around the the ebbing of this pandemic, whether it's returning to schools or whether governments should mandate things, how should we start approaching those questions? What's some advice for people who are really trying to keep an open mind and figure out how to think about all these big questions we're asking right now? I think it's important to keep in mind that all of these questions will not be simple questions. There won't be a uh, one sort of non-complex answer to any of these questions. We know that people's lives can be affected by their health. We also know that people's lives can be affected by their economic conditions and that having uh, strong lockdowns that last too long can affect their economic condition. So all of these things have to be taken into account. Uh, what's important to realize is that these decisions can't be made without a sensitivity to context. We have to take that into consideration in the context of the risks posed by the disease itself. You know, in the uh, childhood immunization community, one of the things that's often pointed out is that prior to COVID-19, most parents had not really experienced serious pandemic. And so their appreciation of the dangers of serious pandemic were not as great as those of previous generations that had gone through polio and smallpox and then 1918 flu. That context can provide quite a bit of perspective on how we evaluate the risks. And I think that keeping the risks of the pandemic itself in mind is very important. At the risk of stating the incredibly obvious, it's so hard to sit with something that doesn't have an easy answer or to sit with something that just has no answer. That is true. And that's sort of uh, the world that I live in as a bioethicist. Thomas May, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. He's a bioethicist at Washington State University's Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine and spoke to us via Zoom from Vancouver, Washington. Mm -hmm. 